You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. If, this, if you walked in since I uh, introduced myself earlier, my name is Douglas, working student ministry here, and I love, love hanging out with your junior high and high school students. And if you don't have one or you know one and I get to hang out with them, I'm thankful that you know them because I think they're all awesome. Um, but we're in the midst of this series, and I, I was thinking back, uh, recently I've been getting back into kind of resurrecting an old skill of mine. Uh, in high school, I really loved editing videos. It was like my favorite thing. I wanted to be a, a filmmaker, and so I took every video class I could get my hands on. I, I, I was thinking about it in between services. I wish I had brought some of my old work to show. That would have been really cool. Um, I made a documentary about my younger brother, the one that plays drums up here. He's 19, but I made a little documentary about him when he was seven, and it's super interesting. He was like talking about all of his favorite bands and he, I, the documentary was called Seven Going On 17 because he always acted just a little bit older than he was. Probably because he had a cool older brother who was 10 years older that like, <laughs> right? I let him come and hang out with me and my friend. So he was always just a little bit, you know, reaching maturity wise, a little bit higher than other kids his age. But anyway, so edited videos, documentaries, music videos. I once labored over a Legomation video where you take Legos and you film them and then you move them a little bit and you film them again and you do that. I did it for like nine hours. When I edited it down so it looked like they were moving, the video was 22 seconds long. (laughs) Not worth it. But so with editing movies, in the process of editing movies, I've been doing a few for the church recently and that's how I've been kind of rediscovering my passion for it. For the baptism video that we watched a few weeks ago, you would not believe that it was probably about an hour to two hours of footage that got edited down and trimmed down to a four and a half minute video that you guys see on a Sunday morning. So there's a ton of stuff that's just extra and unnecessary sometimes, just like, you know, you're rolling the camera a little bit before something happens, you keep it rolling afterwards, but that stuff needs to be cut out. It needs to be edited and trimmed down. Um, And I believe that God wants to do that process in our lives. And I'm sure it's not difficult for you to think back. Maybe if you could go back a few years, like, man, if I could just edit that decision, if I had someone to tell me that that was gonna be a bad idea and I actually would have been smart enough to listen, that would have been nice. Um, are, are you guys moviegoers? Does anybody like to go to the movies? Star Wars fans? Rogue One? Anybody? Okay, cool. Five of us. Great. There were four of us in the first service. The rest of you are Trekkies, right? Is it... Star Wars guy. I don't even know what the little thing is. So I went and saw Rogue One recently and uh, it just got me thinking about Star Wars again and how much I loved it. And I thought a cool example of seeing the differences in editing. Some of you may have seen Star Wars A New Hope, the the very first one, 1977. When they re-released it on DVD in 2011, they went back and added in a whole bunch of stuff. Some of you might be angry about that. The the five of us may have been angry about that (laughs) if I was alive in 1977 to see the original. But So I I grabbed a few of those clips, found some of them on YouTube. So I want to show you just two minutes of some side-by-sides of the original 1977 and some of the 2011 updates. So draw your attention to the screen. Was that enlightening to any of you? Did any of you not realize? (laughs) Clearly, George Lucas did not really want that wolf man in the movie. (laughs) Poor guy. But that process, so they went back and re-edited. Um, I recently watched through all the old Superman movies, the Christopher Ye- Reeves years, and Superman 2, the one that most of you, if you saw it, um, was not actually the original vision for the movie. 
Richard Donner had done the first Superman and he was a part of the second one. They filmed all of the footage and then cut him out of the process before the movie was done. Brought in some other guy, the end result was nothing like the original. 30 years later, Richard Donner and a team of editors went back to the original film reels, got out some scissors and some crazy cool equipment and re-edited the Richard Donner cut. They took all this old footage and remastered, reformatted it and he got to rediscover his original vision. And I think that process is kind of how God wants to edit our lives. He's got this vision for our lives and he doesn't love the influence that other forces will have on our lives. He wants to make you into the director's cut, which is always my favorite version of movies. When they're released on DVD or Blu-ray, I don't want the theatrical version. That one sounds boring. Doesn't sound like the director got all the stuff he wanted in it or maybe some stuff he didn't want to have in it. The director's cut is the truest to the original vision And so the director's cut version of you is the truest, best version of you that God had planned. And I believe that God wants to begin that process today in our lives by having us pray this prayer, God, sharpen me. Proverbs Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. This is how God wants to begin the process of enacting his purpose and his will in your life he wants to bring you a team of editors. Those, those edits in that Star Wars movie were not done by one person. It might have been one guy kind of overseeing, but if you stick around for the movie credits of a movie, or if you go on IMDb obsessively after watching movies like I do, you can view the list of editors. It's a lot of people. And I'm sure some of those people have different specialties, different levels of experience that they all bring this really cool uh, aspect of influence and expertise to their side of the editing process. So God wants us to invite other people to sharpen us, like iron sharpening iron, just like the raw footage of a movie or a film or a music video has all this stuff that needs to be trimmed, cut out, or stuff that needs to be added, so are our lives with stuff that should be removed, and God wants to be a part of the process of making you into the director's cut version. So we're going to look at a biblical narrative, a story about David in the Old Testament. So if you want to turn your Bible to 2 Samuel chapter 12, while you're turning there, I'll give you a little bit of context for where we're at in the story. So David... Uh, is this little shepherd boy, he gets chosen out of his brothers, he defeats Goliath. Fast forward a lot, David is king. He goes out on his porch for some fresh air and he sees Bathsheba bathing on a rooftop next door. He already has many, 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 many wives. He has a lot of wives. Bathsheba over here, she's already married. He decides to um, take out a few of the big 10 commandments all in one fell swoop. So he starts with some covetry. Uh, big number 10. Uh, then he commits adultery, number seven, check that off the list. And eventually, uh, because he feels kind of like weird about the whole situation he created and he, and he wants Bathsheba to himself, he takes her husband, Uriah, gets him really drunk, sends him to the front lines in battle so he will be murdered, but he will not necessarily have to feel the weight and guilt of murdering him. Um, so that would be number six that he checked off there. And in the midst of all of that betrayal and abuse of power, basically David's being a pretty bad dude here. A lot of stuff that might need to be edited, you would think. If you don't think, we might have some disagreements. (laughs) So throughout this process, uh, that story kind of unfolds in chapter 11. I'd love and encourage you to take the time over the next week and read back some of that history that brings us to where we're picking up today. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 27 at the end, it describes all all of this by saying, the thing David had done displeased the Lord. So the Lord sent Nathan to David. 
So the Lord was displeased with David's actions, his decisions, and all the people he had hurt, all the wreckage he had caused. So he sends him Nathan. And the cool thing about that is that Nathan translates as a gift. So he sends a gift to David, and we're about to see what kind of gift this is because God wants to send us good editors. He wants to send you a good editor in the midst of your sin, in the midst of the wreckage that you are causing or that you are a part of. He wants to send you a gift. And that gift is someone who will be bold enough that that you have trust in them, that they can speak some truth into your life and lead you to a process of restoration. So God wants to send you good editors. Now, of course, our receptivity to that editor is predicated on the first step which is acknowledging that we need to be edited. If you do not believe yet here today that you are not perfect, that you are somehow without fault and you do not need an outside source of influence to make you the best version of you, then the doors are on the side and the front. You can go ahead out. Oh, none of you are perfect? Cool, me either. So we're all in this together. There's some solidarity in that, right? We all need edited. So God wants to send us these editors. Because the truth is, because of Adam and Eve, we are all in need of a massive edit. But we get to stand here today and we worship a God that took care of the biggest part of that edit in Jesus Christ. So that's awesome. We get to celebrate that. But even in the, in the process of trying to be more like Christ, God wants to surround us with people to edit us, to sharpen us, to make us the best version of us that God has created us to be. Because things we have done, things that we are doing and do, and things that we will do displease the Lord. But he's got a gift for us. And he wants us to invite that gift and pray for that gift. God, send me a Nathan. Send me an editor, a sharpener. God, make me the best version of me that you created me to be. So two questions for you, just for you to be thinking about. Are you receptive of a good editor? If God sends someone into your life and they begin to kind of go through the process of helping you to acknowledge some of your own sin or brokenness, are you receptive of that or are you gonna start to push them away? Second question would be, maybe you've already got your team of editors. They're hard at work trimming stuff in your life and helping you to be the best Jesus version of you that that you could be. But maybe God wants to use you as the gift to somebody else. Maybe you are the person he's waiting for you to be willing and obedient to go and be this gift to somebody else that desperately needs a good edit. It can go both ways. And some of you may be using both of those directions today. He might send you an editor, but he also might equip you, give you the words to send you out into someone else's life. What's really cool is that we're gonna see here that Nathan employs a teaching that Paul would write about years, years later in his letter to the church in Galatia. Paul wrote, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, which is the part that I think I would like to put a little bit of emphasis on today, that that restoration process begins gently. And we're gonna see how Nathan puts this into into practice. So I gave the first service two options. I can read the actual biblical narrative or I can Pittsburghify this illustration he uses. Do you guys want me to Pittsburghify it? All right, cool, that was fun. So the Steelers are a football team in Pittsburgh, right? All right, I'm good so far. I don't really watch sports, so this is totally out of my my zone, but I'm gonna make it happen. So let's say there's a guy, and we'll call him Rich Guy. Rich Guy owns season tickets for 50-yard line. Not just one, not just two. He owns an entire row of seats, okay? They're his. 
to do whatever he wants with. He doesn't even have enough family members or friends to fill those seats. He just owns them, just in case. His neighbor, we'll call him not rich guy. He has saved up for years. He loves the Steelers. He wants to go to a game. He has saved up and he bought one seat. He goes by himself to these games. He just has one seat. Just a big fan, got one season of tickets, just one seat. Rich guy has an out-of-town friend come into town and he's like, oh, I'd love, love for them to see our Steelers. Whole row of seats. He goes into his neighbor's house, steals that guy's one seat for this Sunday's game and gives it to his out-of-town guest. His row remains empty. He gives him that one seat. How does that make you feel? It's pretty frustrating, right? You've got an entire row of seats and you take from this guy over here who, he, he loves that seat. He's worked so hard for that seat and you've got all of this, you're just rolling in it, but you're gonna take that from him? Nathan does a similar thing for David. He tells him this story about a, a, a guy who's got some sheep and he has a friend come in from out of town. This guy's got a ton of sheep. This guy only has one. He treats it like it's his daughter. He loves it so much. But the out of town guest gets that guy's sheep, not one from here. And the cool thing about this approach is that Nathan did not just come in like a bull in a china shop like, David, you took her and you had sex with her and then you killed her husband and all this stuff is happening and you're stupid, man. No, he came in, he's like, hey, David, you were a shepherd once, right? Oh yeah, Nathan, I was. Thanks for knowing so much about my past. Tells him this story. Good editors begin gently. They see that Paul teaching, they put it into practice. Yes, we are supposed to judge each other and call each other out on our sin, but it is not supposed to be this like reckless process. Nathan shows a little bit of tact here by telling a creative story. He uses this word picture to kind of capture David's imagination, his attention, and they've also got a trust relationship. This is not Nathan's first appearance in David's leadership. Nathan had been kind of a trusted prophet and someone who had come and spoken truth in different areas and given some wisdom when it came to building a temple and all that kind of stuff. So he's got this experience. But the good editors begin gently. So we are to surround ourselves with people who are loving and gentle and humble in their approach about our sin. And if you're sitting here today and you're familiar with the idea of an editing process, but maybe your only experience has been somebody coming in with that reckless, hurtful, harsh, aggressive approach. Yeah, I've, I've been edited before. Someone came in and told me all the stuff I was doing wrong, so I cut them out of my life. If that's the only editing you've ever experienced, I'm sorry, that was not God's plan. That was not how he wanted you to come to a realization of your sin by somebody else putting you down. Because some people want to catch us in our sin, but Nathan's, the gifts, the editors, the sharpeners that God sends, they want to help us catch ourselves in our sin. They don't want to just tell us the truth. They want to help us to do the truth. That's the difference between the editors that come in real harsh and aggressive, trying to put you down because maybe it makes them feel better. But this editor I'm talking about today, a Nathan, a gift, someone that God sends that they come gently and humbly and lovingly to you. So he tells him this story. David, being a shepherd, of course, he can connect a lot with this other guy who had the one, the one sheep. And so David burns with anger, it says in verse five. He burns with anger against that man. And he says to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. How many of you were thinking about that, about the rich guy with Steelers tickets? <laughs> you guys are good. You fooled me this time. Hopefully none of us are thinking that man should die. 
But David took this to the nth degree. He's like, holy smokes, that is frustrating. I'm really angry. That guy deserves to die. He shouldn't have done that. How selfish and rude. And he just took everything for himself, just did whatever he wanted. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. And I can't help but notice in this moment, David appears to be completely blind and ignorant to his own sin. He does not realize what this story is is getting at. He doesn't realize what Nathan's trying to do by telling this. You really see his dullness and his need of being sharpened revealed in this moment when he's like, yeah, that guy should die. And if you were with us last week when we started the prayer of God, search me, you've already begun the process of asking God, see if there's any offensive way in me. God, help show me my sin. God's a part of this process. He sends us a Nathan, but God is doing so much internal editing here in our hearts and in our minds that he's a big part of this process. It's the director's cut after all. We wanna be his vision of us. So God is already identifying our sin and increasing our awareness of our need of a good editing. And in this moment, David hits, uh, he hits the brick wall of reality pretty quickly. He says, this guy must die. Nathan responds, you are this man. Oh, that's not where I thought this was going. <laughs> that's one of those like, well, that escalated quickly, Nathan. You know, those moments where it's like, oh, I'm, I'm that guy. He, and then uh, Nathan says, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. And I love that that's his preface into this moment of truth that he dives into because he's revealing to him, I mean, the prophets would always say that because they're quoting God, they're using God's words. But him saying that is a reminder that these are not Nathan's words. This is not Nathan saying, hey man, here's the things I think you should fix. He's saying, this is where God needs you to be fixed. This is where God wants to change things. This is where God wants to make you the best you. So he starts off with that because good editors are godly editors. They're always working for the director's vision. If someone is editing you, take the changes they think you should make, take their suggestions, take their honest and truthful approach, put it through the lens of scripture, put it through the filter of the character of God and and really determine, is this person a godly editor? Is this someone that I trust to know what the best godly thing for for me to do in this situation is? Because a good editor is gonna be a godly editor. God is not gonna send you a Nathan who is not following Jesus. He's gonna send you someone who, yes, they're fighting through their sin too, they're not perfect, but they're seeking after God's plan for you. So make sure your editors are godly editors. And then Nathan dives into quoting God, and these are God's words through Nathan to David. He says, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little, David, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Therefore, the sword will never depart from your house. Because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Out of your own household, I'm going to bring calamity on you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you and he will sleep with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all of Israel. I can't imagine when Nathan and God were having this little pep talk and God was like rallying him up like, hey, Nathan, 
You know David? He's like, yeah, I know David. I want you to go and speak some truth. Okay, cool. Tell him a story about some sheep. I think he'll connect with that. Yeah, I got it. Tell him about all the damage that he's caused. Okay, it's a little bit harder, but I think I can muster up the strength. And then tell him about um, the consequences that he will face and how hard his life's gonna be and all the damage that's gonna be done to his family. I'm gonna need your words for that one, God. And luckily, God gives him these words because godly editors are honest and they're truthful. And when I think of that original proverb that we started off this morning with, that iron sharpens iron, I can't help but think that in that process, there's a rough surface. And there is, it, it's difficult and it's painful and there's, there's this chaff that kind of falls off and it's not a desirable process. But because godly editors approach us gently, because they're loving and they're humble and they're seeking our restoration as the end game, not building themselves up, they wanna build you up, there's gonna come a moment where it's painful, but it's necessary. That's part of the process of being edited. Lovingly truthful and truthfully loving. Those are ways that I like to look at Jesus. I think sometimes we only picture him as this big teddy bear, you know, Jesus loves the little children. And he does love the little children, all the children of the world. But Jesus never strayed from being lovingly truthful and truthfully loving. When he loved someone, it was always with the truth. And when he was truthful with someone, he always backed it with love. And that is how a Nathan should be editing you. Yes, it hurts, but when you know it's backed by love, you see how necessary that moment is. So I wanna challenge you that maybe you can think of someone in your life that has attempted to be an editor, that maybe God sent them as a Nathan, and you were like, no, don't tell me what I'm doing wrong. Yeah, you're one to talk. You're, I, I know A, B, I know this whole laundry list of your brokenness and sin. Don't tell me how to live my life. And so you cut them out. You push them away. Maybe today your big takeaway is I've cut out all the Nathans in my life. Anytime somebody wanted to help me be better, I ran in the other direction. I've changed churches. I've changed jobs. I've found new friend groups. I've, I've quit hobbies. I've moved to get away from people who are trying to point out my sin. And now I'm realizing in this moment, it was God's plan for them to be in my life. It was God's plan for them to make me into the director's cut version of me. So maybe today you just pray and you ask God, will you help restore this relationship? Will you give me the humility to, to seek forgiveness from them for cutting them out? And God, give them the boldness to continue trying to strengthen me and make me into the best me. David's response to Nathan after that whole dissertation, everything God had done, I delivered, I gave, I restored all of this stuff that God had given him. David didn't earn any of it on his own. It was all through God. David turned away from him. He hears about all this calamity that will be brought upon his family. And his response, I have sinned against the Lord. It looks like it happened like pretty cleanly, right? He finds out about his sin and his first response is, I have sinned. I've sinned against the Lord. And it doesn't always go that smoothly. I would say nine times out of 10, it's probably that person reacting in anger and defensiveness and running the other direction. But David is described as a man after God's own heart. And I think one of a moment like this really shows the character and his humility and his, his repentant heart. At first, he was a little ignorant to his own sin, but once he hears it, plain as day, all laid out in front of him, David admits, I have sinned against the Lord. What's your response? When someone comes to you, someone who has this position in your life, 
You've been praying, God, sharpen me, or maybe he just knew that you needed it and he sent you a gift. Doesn't that change the idea of somebody calling out your sin if you look at it as a gift? God has sent you a gift to point out your wrongdoing and your mistakes for your restoration so that you can realize it, to help you to live out the truth. What's your response? Are you humble, repentant, taking ownership for your sin, asking for forgiveness for the things you've done wrong? Or are you full of excuses, blaming others, hiding it, rationalizing, justifying? Well, I did it because of, and if they hadn't, and if this hadn't, what's your response to a good edit? And look at Nathan's reply. The Lord has taken away your sin. This illustration to draw him in, the truth through God's word, David's acknowledgement of his sin. And he says, but God has taken it away. And this was even before Christ. We get to stand here as recipients of the biggest edit ever when Jesus took away sin and death. So when you're sitting here and maybe you're thinking, I, I know my sins. I have sinned against the Lord. I want you to hear so clearly today that the Lord has taken away your sin. It is done. It is finished on the cross. And he did that to begin and set into motion the editing process to make you into his plan for you. He's got such a big plan for you and he wants to use other people in this process. Our director is so unique. So unique. That once the editors begin the initial work, our director continues this ongoing internal process, diving into the darkest places of your heart and your soul and your mind to go in and keep tinkering around, setting things aside, helping you to set priority to the right things, the right people, the right commitments, the right hobbies, the right actions, the right thoughts and feelings. Jesus died to take away your sin. He paid the way for you to become the best you. The prayer that we open the service with today, as I said, is the paraphrased kind of corporate version of Psalm 51. And that Psalm is often attributed to David and his repentant heart after this moment. That David prayed to God, would you wash away all of my iniquities, cleanse my heart, renew a steadfast spirit in me, open my lips so that I may praise you. Thank you for washing me clean, whiter than snow. That was his prayer after being edited. And the truth is that the first step for us after acknowledging our need of editing is to invite editing, invite editors, dive into community and get connected to godly editors. The cool thing about Nathan in this particular moment is that he wasn't specifically invited in. David didn't go to him out of guilt and say, hey, I'm feeling weird about this stuff that I just done. Will you tell me what the truth of this situation is? Nathan had a standing invitation in his life. Sometimes the edit doesn't come from the immediate prayer and the immediate response. It might be someone that you have given the key to your front door that knows that they have the platform to speak truth into your life. And maybe you don't hang out every week, but you know you've got this unspoken spiritual commitment to each other that I wanna make you the best version of you. I wanna see God's plan enacted in your life and I want you to do that for me too. Nathan had this standing invitation. He had a spot reserved in David's life to speak this truth to him. And maybe you don't even have that today. 
I would encourage you to begin to get connected. Pray, start with the prayer, God sharpen me. God edit me. Like iron sharpens iron, bring me people. Begin a process. Cut out the things that don't belong. Add in the things that need to be there. God, I'm, I wanna surrender to your plan and your will. At Riverside, we believe that one of the key components to following Jesus is being connected to authentic spiritual community. I forgot to share this in the first service that I am only standing here because I dove into a small group, a connect group, six years ago, seven years ago, and the leader of that group met with me at Starbucks and pointed out my sin. And I, I don't mean that, like, I'm not saying that in a way to, like, boast and, like, oh, look at me. I'm like, David, I responded right away. I'm just saying it was because I was connected in a group. And I want that for all of you. This church, the leaders, we set up these connect groups. We make them available. We encourage people to lead them because we believe that spiritual community is the key to being the best version of you. So that's why today our response will be heading to these tables to sign up for connect groups. And if you do not know where you belong, there will be leaders at the tables to ask questions to, and you can learn more about the different groups. You can go try some groups. I would encourage you to begin the process of inviting editors into your life. So what's the next step for you? Maybe throughout this whole thing, you've been thinking, God's been trying to get me to go edit this person and be a Nathan to them, and I've been resisting because I'm scared. I don't want to burn a bridge. I don't want to ruin a friendship. Maybe your next step is trusting in God's plan, asking him, God, will you give me the words to speak the truth to them? Help me to be gentle and humble and loving in my approach. Maybe your next step is realizing that Jesus has taken away your sin. And from there, God, I wanna continue this editing process. Connect me to other people that can help me to be like Jesus. What is your next step today? I'm gonna end by reading another psalm as a prayer over us as a church, and then Pastor Bill will come up and give us some direction on how to, how to begin this process of getting connected. So if you would close your eyes, bow your heads for a moment. Psalm 51 from the beginning of service was written in the midst of repentance, but David wrote Psalm 32 rejoicing about the process of being edited. And he wrote, Oh, what a joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what a joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time for you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.